You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Aaron Hawksworth and PJ Glasser with you. So, PJ, I wanted to get to something that I thought was kind of interesting. We're going to talk a little NFL before Drew Dinsick joins us and we get into some NBA with him. The fact that the Commanders are, first of all, they got Eric Bieniemy. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of excitement here in Washington about that signing. But the thing that I find interesting is just the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And this time, it's like they've just made a decision that Sam Howell is going to be QB1. And do we really know? I mean, why wouldn't you at least try to sign a veteran as like an insurance policy? I mean, what what are they doing? I mean, do they still have Taylor Heineke? Are they going to sign him? Like, what? I just think rolling with Sam Howell in such a small sample size is just extremely risky. And I think it's like they're cursed at the quarterback position, no matter what they do. It never ends up working out. No, never does. And what's weird is Washington's kind of in win now mode. Like their defense, they've paid they paid McLaurin, they paid John Allen. Like they've given money to some guys. Their defense is pretty good. Skill position wise, McLaurin obviously. Jahan Dotson had a really good rookie season. Brian Robinson had a really good season. A running back as a rookie. But you're right, Aaron, the quarterback position, I mean, that's what this league is all about. And Washington just, they can't figure it out. So I think it's going to be Hal, personally. But like you said, we've only seen him make one start. It was against Dallas in that regular season finale. Didn't even really do that much. Like, they end up running the ball a lot. And people were confused by that because they're like, this game means nothing to you. Like, wouldn't you just let him throw it 35, 40 times to see what you have? I've always liked Heineke more than others. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. But there's something to be said about the fact that when he's in the lineup, they do win games. So, I think Hal's going to start. I think it'd be smart for them to bring Heineke back as well, see if he would take a backup role. And then maybe you go to the veteran route and get a guy like Jacoby Brissett, somebody of that ilk, to kind of see if they would, uh, you know, take a pay cut and and come be a backup, compete, but knowing that Sam Hal is the guy moving forward. I agree with you, though. I think they should be in on, like, Derek Carr, seeing if they could get that, and maybe they get somebody in the draft in, like, the second or third round. Or even like Baker Mayfield, somebody. Baker, but I yeah, will cool. say, I saw Taylor Heineke on the Pat McAfee show during the Super Bowl, and he said, like, Sam Howell is that dude. And that he's got, like, a lot of support in the locker room. So maybe there's just something we haven't seen. Obviously, those guys, they, they see each other in practice, and they know what they have in Sam. So if if he's got the support of his teammates and, obviously, the head coach, 
then I guess, you know, I, I just think, gosh, it seems risky. Like you said, you've got the players there. You have the defense. You just need that quarterback position. Just need, I mean, if only it were that easy, but uh, it just seems to be something that the commanders always get wrong. Yeah, it does. It does. But, you know, they'll, they're going to give Hal a shot, and hopefully he's the guy that they've been searching for at quarterback. I watched Sam Hal play a lot of games at North Carolina at quarterback. Talented dude. He's got a big arm. The thing that always worried me with Hal is he holds on to the football way too long. You go back and look at some of his games in North Carolina, some of the sack numbers that he would take, uh, that was very concerning mm. to me because he has all the talent. If he can learn yeah. to make quick decisions at the NFL level, uh, I think he could be a pretty decent quarterback. So we'll see Have what happens. playing the Eagles, holding on exactly. to the ball too The long. Cowboys, yeah, good luck <laughs> facing Micah Parsons twice a year, the Eagles twice a year, the Giants. I mean, it is, it is going to be tough, tough sledding. But they, you know, they have surrounded him with pro, talent. I agree. According to Pro Football Talk, I'm seeing Daniel Jones could get tagged saying in the NFC East and Saquon Barkley could be headed to the open market. So yeah. that's interesting when you look at that division. Like maybe the commanders could actually be better and the Giants could take a step back. Well, I mean, the Giants really depended on Saquon. I didn't think Saquon was going to bounce back like he did after the injury, but he was very impressive last season. Really impressive. And it was just good to see him healthy because he was a he was in the number two pick overall in the NFL draft as a running back. Like one of the best running back prospects we've seen in the last decade. So to see him healthy was just awesome. And uh, Daniel Jones obviously taping, taking the leap that he did under Brian Dable was great to see too. Giants are an interesting team, Aaron, because if Daniel Jones continues – to develop and play well, they were so bit by the injury bug at receiver. Like, they didn't have any options. If they can figure out that position, uh, I mean, Dable's a really good coach. The Giants could be a team to watch. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Saquon because he was great last year. You do have to worry about the injuries and just the running back position in general. You, like, you look at Ezekiel Elliott these days and what Dallas had to pay him and now what he's been, like – it's just a big red flag for me to Cooked. give a running back one of money. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those positions where you youth, you definitely want to go with youth and someone coming off that injury. I think it was very impressive. I didn't expect Saquon to be as good as he was, but he did it. What what do you make of Lamar Jackson? Where do you think he could end up? Will he stay in Baltimore? Could he go somewhere else? Where could there be value um, if you're anticipating him landing on another team? Oh, well, I'm a Ravens fan, so it's it's tough. I mean, I want, to, I want to see him in Baltimore. I really think if Lamar's back, the Ravens have a good shot at competing in the AFC. With that being said, if he does get dealt, they've said they're probably going to send him to an NFC team. So that's where I would see him going. I can't imagine they give him up to an AFC team, and then you're going to have to battle against him Face and try it. and make it to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would think NFC South. Maybe he goes to, like, I think Atlanta would be really yeah. interesting because just the way that they run the football, and I think that could be a good fit with them, and they obviously have a high draft pick, so they could give that up. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I can't imagine the Ravens would give up Lamar. I just can't see it. Whether they franchise tag him or sign him to an extension, I think that's what they end up doing. 
just tough for me to see them giving up. Uh, franchise quarterbacks are so tough to get in this league. When you have them, you just you can't give them up like that, especially when you're a team like the Ravens and you're right there on the doorstep. So I, I think uh, – Doesn't it I just feel like also that marriage between Lamar and the Ravens, like if they could have worked this out, um, they would have worked it out by now? Yeah, I think yeah. I think they definitely uh they definitely they should have by now. So we'll see. It's gonna be an interesting offseason in Baltimore. All right, Drew Dinsick, aka Whale Capper, analyst for NBC Sports, joins us now. And Drew, we were just talking about the NBA and Western Conference and where there might be some value. We saw some teams get better. We just saw that uh, Russell Westbrook plans to sign with the Clippers. Those odds didn't change, so that tells you a lot. <laughs> where, where might you be looking in the future market in the West? <laughs> well, as someone who's holding big sons to win the Pacific ticket, uh, you know, I, I was somewhat relieved that Westbrook is going to the Clippers because I feel like he could, uh, you know, he, he could be the key that really kind of detonates that team. Uh, it doesn't really feel like... <laughs> It's just, it's a weirdly composed team. He's not the guy they needed to really fix that, you know, that situation there. And, you know, the Clippers in general are a tough, tough team to really get a good read on, but I would not make them contenders. That looks like a sort of a four or five seed that maybe wins a playoff series if they get the right draw. Um, but uh, for the most part, the Western Conference went from very uninteresting before this trade deadline to phenomenally interesting after the trade deadline. I think anyone who loves the NBA, anyone who likes handicapping the playoffs would agree that like, if we don't get a Suns Mavericks series, then we are, we are being cheated as basketball fans. Uh, I don't know that I want that round one, like three, a three, six matchup between the Suns and Grizz and Mavericks would be fun. Um, but it would also kind of be more, more interesting if that came later in the, uh, in the, in the playoff cycle. But um, the idea of seeing Kevin Durant go head to head with, uh, you know, Kyrie, Irving on new teams as well as a little bit of a revenge opportunity for the Suns after what the Mavericks did to them ousting them at home last year in the uh, second round of the playoffs would be uh, fun just to relive that and see if uh, Suns can get a step ahead here um, I agree with the market that the Suns ought to be favorites here uh, I know that people are probably looking at these prices and like wait a minute the Nuggets are clear first seeds in the Western Conference they have the three but you know two time two time reigning MVP you know, ostensibly the three-time reigning MVP and Nikola Jokic, how in the world would they not be favorites over the Suns? And I got to tell you, uh, number one, the Denver benefits, ex, you know, uh, consistently from having altitude during the regular season. You get teams coming through Denver and just on absolute fumes as they're trying to, uh, you know, put put winning basketball together uh, in the middle of a grind of the season. Uh, and so they have enormous home field advantage in the regular season that just is never quite as manifest in the playoffs because now teams are on equal rest. Uh, you get a little bit of acclimation to the, uh, you know, the altitude uh, over the balance of a season. And so in general, uh, you have to dock them a bit for uh, home, you know, home court advantage in the regular season, in the playoffs. And then on top of that, uh, it's just the makeup of the team beyond Jokic has been really, really suspect so far this season. Now we have seen flashes from Jamal Murray that he is the guy that we remember from years past, uh, you know, he's kind of, enough time has been removed from his injury and his surgery that he could, uh, you know, be a guy that uh, is a number two banana and, you know, and, and really kind of helps elevate the Nuggets in a playoff series. But I am very buyer beware in uh, the Nuggets being able to put together uh, more than uh, just one 
winning series of basketball. And oh, by the way, their 1-8 matchup might be against a really, really tough team. Uh, you know, Pelicans, Timberwolves. I mean, uh, there's a number of teams that could find themselves in that 8 spot. Uh, even the Portland Trailblazers, who have given the Nuggets uh, a heck of a time over the years, uh, you know, could wind their way in there. So it's it's far from a sure thing that the Nuggets are going to be able to make a deep run. Whereas if you have Kevin Durant on the floor with Devin Booker, I don't know how you're defending that duo. Um, you know, Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton are, when they become sort of the ancillary pieces to a nucleus that has Kevin Durant and, and Booker on the floor, um, I just don't know who's going toe-to-toe with those guys. So Suns, in my mind, are, are pretty clearly the uh, the favorites right now in the West uh, and just excited to see what kind of matchups we get. I mean, would you rather see Kevin Durant go against the Warriors or against uh, Kyrie Irving? It's a tough call. I uh, oh, haven't even mentioned so the good. Memphis Grizzlies. But yeah, no, the West <laughs> all of a sudden is like, yeah, we could go on and on. I'm so excited to see how these teams shake out. Yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to watch. Drew, who would be the team that you would see value on? I was saying Zion's such a question mark, but if he's healthy, yeah. the Pelicans are fascinating. And then you got Golden State there. It seems like nobody's talking about him. What do you make of both of those teams? Yes, yeah, so I, the Pelicans and Zion back in a potential playoff series is like a 1-8. I'll take them as the 8 seed with a big price every every single time. Right. Like that's a team that absolutely in, you know, can can find a ceiling that is high enough to get an upset, uh, even as a lower seed, uh, assuming that they even find their way into the playoff mix. So it's I, I'm not going to get involved at like a 22 to one to win the West price because sustained winning and just kind of avoiding like a health question mark and or just if you're the eighth seed going on the road, three straight series, that becomes extremely tough. So I think the Pelicans are a pass at 22 to one, but they're certainly a team that I'm going to back if they get the right matchup uh, in in a given playoff series um the grizzlies at plus 750 are interesting to me just because people have cooled on them so substantially as being realistic contenders when you know they still have one of the youngest deepest nucleuses in all of the nba uh and you know they're at least now positioned for a two seed so you're talking about a potentially a, a home playoff series in round two now if that's against the suns then best of luck to you but uh if the grizzlies can draw like the warriors in round two you know that was a really really competitive series last year i think the grizzlies taken a lot of lessons out of last year's playoff run that they're going to be able to deploy in this year's playoffs and so i would i would lean grizzlies in a, a divisional round match you know second round matchup against the likes of the warriors um, mavericks clippers uh even the nuggets if that's how it should shakes out uh you know i think realistically the best thing for a grizzlies future would be to find their way into like the fourth seed so that their path is clippers round one nuggets round two something along those lines would be a lot more um that would be a lot more excited about them than if they had to go through uh the suns in the second round of the playoffs so seeding is going to matter a ton for a team like the grizzlies but i haven't given up hope that they're going to be able to take the next step forward get themselves to a western conference finals maybe even win the western conference Love it. Drew, what about the East? There's the Celtics at plus 115, Bucks plus 185, according to BetMGM. And then a bit of a drop-off. You've got the Sixers, Cavs, Heat, and then even more drop-off to some other teams. I was thinking there could be some value on a team like the Cavs, but gosh, it just seems like it's either the Celtics or the Bucks in the East. Yeah, I think if you're going to get involved with the Cavs, which I don't hate, I think the bet is to win the Central. 
Well, they could okay. run down the Bucks. The Bucks have a really, really, really tough schedule going in here uh, from here into the uh, the final uh, stretch of the season. I count seven disadvantaged spots for them in terms of rest in the final month and a half of the season. Um, you know, after a long grind of an 82 game schedule, you don't want to be at the losing end of uh, you know rest disadvantage uh, in March and April, and that's what the Bucks schedule looks like as I look down you know into the future here. Um, and oh, by the way, Giannis going to New York to get uh, an evaluation on the wrist injury is a little bit of a red flag, yeah. a little bit spooky. Uh, not sure what's going on there. Uh, the Cavs have a gap to make up, but they have the talent to do it. As far as I could tell you, I think, uh, you know, they will finish this season, in my opinion, as the, you know, the top rated defense. Uh, and, you know, just in general, like they play a number of tanking teams here down the stretch. So Cavs have a very soft schedule. Bucks very tough. I think the bet is Cavs to win the central right now. Um, once we get into the playoffs i think you throw it all out the window the celtics are going to wash all of these teams out of the playoffs uh i don't <laughs> see anyone being able to go toe-to-toe with them in terms of just you know having the horses to be able to uh to win in the seven you know best of seven series um celtics no one's running them down for the one seed at this point uh the head-to-head win they got right before the all-star break against the sixers basically was dicing for them to win the atlantic from what i see is looking at their schedule um and uh they match up well against the sixers anyway sixers and bucks presumably if they you know standings hold hitting, you know, running into each other in the two, three matchup. And only one of those teams having to go to Boston makes it this much easier for Boston to uh, punch their ticket to the finals for the second straight year. And, uh, you know, as you look down the board, you know, we probably could have made a case that the nets are going to be scary once Durant's back and they're full. No, well, that's completely imploded. Like this is now going to team that's just going <laughs> to slide down the board from here on in, even yeah. though they have some interesting pieces, it's just not a contender. So, um, you know, I think realistically, uh, Cavs, to win the central is a fun bet at plus 550 uh, and at that point like maybe cross our fingers that the celtics really do go through like a stretch where they are really struggling for whatever reason um maybe they give jason tatum a bunch of time off after the all-star break or something like that whatever the case is if people forget about how good the celtics are i'm going to be buying 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 because uh I, again i don't see anyone in the eastern conference matching up with them toe-to-toe and up the best seven series Drew Densick, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Up next, lightning bets, our favorite plays of the day.